Welcome back. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the one and only IT in the D show. I'm your host, Bob Weltenspiel, hanging out with Randy Walker, producer extraordinaire. Guest this week, former uh what were you form you've been on the show a lot. Tom yeah. Lawrence from Lawrence Systems. Uh Tom, a lot of lots of changed since we last last talked, but we want to I want to dive in. Tom's hit about close to a quarter million, I think over a quarter million now, subscribers on YouTube. Um, there's a lot of weird stuff that happens when, when you hit that mark. And I want to get, yeah. I want to, I, I kind of want to dive into that. Um, on top of that, uh, Tom's got a great channel full of tons of knowledge and I want, I want to dive into how he finds the topics to pick and uh, just talk about life in general. You can find us online, it in the D.com. Do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials, subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. Don't forget part two of our three part series of the yield saloon and Royal Oak. Go to meetup.com slash it in the D phenomenal uh dive bar in royal oak there's not too many left in in, in that side of town um two dollar bacon on a stick and it's a it's a little great little place um tom how you doing buddy doing great now i want two dollar bacon on a stick so i gotta go there <laughs> it's like a honest to god it's like a pork chop if you've never seen it this isn't like a slice of bacon. It. like it's not like a slice of bacon from the diner it's literally like a pork chop they must i don't know if they buy a block and and then cut it there, but like it's to call it bacon's kind of a travesty. This thing's like it's behemoth. It's Have you ever? Bo- I don't know what they do to it, but it's. I think so. Yeah, it's okay. so good. That we you know, we tried to do we. Me and Randy both got BLTs last time we were there, and then we got two bacon on a sticks, and we want to like make like Franken BLT, and it did kind of didn't work. They they, they yeah you, BLT needs to be BLT and bacon on a stick needs to be bacon on a stick. Um, but anyway, yeah, we've been uh, we forgot to hit record. We've we've been sitting here talking about TV um, for like the last fifteen minutes. We're all caught up on uh, what I thought about Dune, Jack Reacher, Ozark. Yeah, uh, what was the one uh, that we none of us saw? Well, I seen Expanse. You guys, Expanse, had- that was the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's that just that. finally ended final season on that, which was like I still want more. It was such it was well written sci fi. So. You know that's definitely on my list. I thought Jack Reacher was as good as uh, uh, they make in these in these series. They did a good job with uh, was it Jack Ryan too? Amazon did with um, with uh, what's yeah. his nuts. What's his nuts from the office? From the office, <laughs> yeah. John Krasinski, Krasinski. Yep. Um, he was phenomenal. I didn't think he was. He he. The one thing I didn't like about it is he has that smirk from the office that he does, and he did it like twice, and it threw me off. Um, yeah, but it was fine. I, I'll, I'll give him a pass. It still was good. It, that was I love that show. I'm hoping they have another season coming out of that one too. So I wanted to dive in, Tom. We, you know, obviously we talked to you in a while. We've talked to you a lot, and you did a YouTube channel, but it wasn't what you're doing now. When when I when I say that, I mean that, that isn't a compliment. Like you've kind of hit a threshold that very 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 few people do that are not in the um stupid category meaning that you're actually putting out educational content but you've hit literally a quarter million subscribers on youtube in a kind of a short period of time um i don't want to say talk to me about it because we could talk for probably three hours on it <laughs> but like was this uh, was this your intent was this your plan is this like a gift from the gods um i'm muddling my way through without a solid plan i mean there's some structure to it but a lot of it comes back from my background in public speaking. And 
you know, the, I was spaghetti at the wall. And I left a lot of those old videos up. You can find me explaining how to take a screen off a laptop and whatever dumb thing. I had an idea that, Hey, maybe people want to know this. Uh, the driving goal would be education as a big part of it. Like I like teaching people things. I love, I'm a geek. I like talking about technology. So if there's some interest in someone wants to hear what I have to say, well, great. Where I found a little bit more success than taking laptops apart and people watching videos about it was, uh, doing talks at Linux conferences and hacker conferences, I was doing one particular talk about a firewall. And, you know, you can only fit when you have those big conferences, you fit so many people in a room at a time and a handful of people said, Hey, will this be on YouTube? I'm like, well, I, you know, I'm technical enough that I could probably make that happen, but I'd have to set up a YouTube channel. So I did. So some of the early successful videos that have like some more substantial views are really in depth, like hour long Tom talking about firewalls, routing rules, and really, you know, deep in the weeds, details on that, not like overview stuff like you see a lot of YouTubers do, but diving deep technically on things like training course type stuff that you would probably get from a normal uh, signing up from a Udemy or something like that, but putting it all on YouTube. And I started doing more and more of that. And, you know, you kind of throw stuff out there to the world, see what gets the views, see what gets the interactions and kind of decide what's going to be next. But I also wanted to stay in that niche and not just be driven by because the YouTube algorithm will sometimes tell you the wrong things because, of course, iPhone reviews are going to get way more views than someone talking about an enterprise firewall. But I work with enterprise firewalls or enterprise storage servers and, you know, large scale systems. So I wanted to stay in that niche. And I realized I was gathering the right audience, I guess you could say. So I uh, had people reaching out to me from big companies. Uh, they started contracting us. It took me a long time to figure out that I should probably advertise for myself and say, hey, you can hire me for all these things I talk about. That's actually our inbound lead system for the last couple of years now is just the offer, like here's an entire in-depth tutorial how to do something. By the way, you can hire us. Uh, and it's led to a lot more engagement with us. So it's been kind of, it's kind of an interesting journey as uh, I'm feeling my way through and figuring it out. So, so the YouTube algorithm, that's something that's always uh, intrigued me because I, I hear people hemming and hawing on some of the videos and channels I watch and people talking about it. It's not, and I don't know how people figured this out. You did because we talked about this a couple weeks ago on the, on the phone, but it's not just about putting out content on a regular basis. It's about putting on content that coincides with the content you've put out in the past. So, like, yes. I don't even know how to describe it. Because, like, you started a business channel and you realized real quick that you're not getting the engagement on the business channel you are on the, on the technical tutorial stuff. And then you kind of had to split it off. And I've heard it a couple other channels, same thing. It's not even about consistency. It's about content consistency as well, which kind of blows my mind a little bit. I guess, what what's your take on that? You know, it, it would be so great in YouTube. If you're listening to this podcast, that's great. You could change this right now. They totally you know, are. If, if people could subscribe to playlists, uh, life as a creator would be much easier. But that isn't at all how the YouTube system works. Now, the good news is Google being Google and all the data they gather up, they actually have a pretty good analytics platform for specifically YouTube. And it's in similar ways to the Google Analytics platform you have for your website, where you can throw all that in there and gather a lot of data about who visits your website. YouTube throws you a lot of statistics, demographics, where people are coming from, why they got there, how they got there. You know, and it even does the uh, funnel of leads and how those leads came to you. Well, like, let's, let's, different. Let's, I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I just I got want to dive into this. I, I, like, what happens if you and your wife go on like a two-week vacation? Do you get penalized? There, there's a penalty 
But the way you mitigate that is you pre-record a lot of content. You just schedule the content out ahead of time. So if I record three videos today, but then scatter them every other day, I can keep the flow of content because that's what YouTube has a big favor for is that there's at least a constant release of content because you'll watch your channel numbers just go down, go down. All your views across all your videos go down. The number of comments you get is like the first indicator because I wake up in the morning while I was building my studio, I just didn't have any content pre-recorded. So I went like a week without releasing content. The number of comments just goes down. Just people aren't looking at the content. I throw one video out there. I get con I get comments on videos from two years ago because the algorithm, once you put something new out there, starts suggesting your old videos. Or sometimes a video could be a follow-up video on a project I talk about, and I can reference those other videos. So people go, oh, he's talking about this, but this was only you know five minutes of information. He's got another tutorially referenced over here. So they'll click on that and they'll click on that. And a whole lot of people doing that will then bring all those videos back up to the top. YouTube goes, huh, suddenly someone's interested in this video from two years ago, referencing the setup of something, this tutorial. So it brings it all right back to the forefront. That's why you kind of, it's best, I should say, to keep this constant flow of content out there especially when you're doing uh, stuff that's more evergreen content, you know, review, no one cares about the review of a five-year-old iPhone. So that's not evergreen content. People who are in that space reviewing new products, no one cares about an old product. Last year's product, it's in the garbage. You know, we don't, we have such a quick life cycle with electronics. If you're not doing something evergreen, you have to really stay on top of the new. For me, I have the bonus of as long as those tutorials are still relevant, as long as there's a product still used in the market, or when you're teaching like network engineering videos, Turns out TCP IP is kind of the same for the last quite a few years. So referencing back to videos I do um, keeps those alive and feeds them from the new content I do and brings a lot of new subscribers to those old videos, uh, you know, brings it forward. I watch recommended YouTube videos all the time as like a regular TV channel and your, yeah. wall, your wall fishing video um, <laughs> from maybe what, two or three years ago, yep. literally shows up. I would say 50% of my recommended feed and it's got like 900,000 clicks and I don't click it, <laughs> but it keeps popping up. So I almost think I need to watch it just so it stops showing up in my recommended feed. Yeah. Um, but I mean, is that, is that the thing at the end of the day with YouTube? It's like their job is to manipulate me, you at Randy, everybody to like watch them as long as possible. Yeah. Um, so is that why they're trying to behoove you to put out? Cause I don't think it should matter if you are putting out content. I guess it does if it's new content. Um, they, they're a lot smarter than me, the people that wrote that code. Um, but, but really, at the end of the day, this is just to manipulate people to watch stuff longer. Am I wrong? No, you're absolutely right. They optimize for engagement. This is the good and bad. So when you have a lot of even sometimes the garbage content or if someone's looking for because they have a bias because they want to find something, there's always another video recommendation that keeps them in that channel and it keeps suggesting it. So once you start looking for one thing, whatever that rabbit hole is, you go down, next thing you know, it's being suggested all the time. You know, I just built this new studio. So I was watching all the DIY videos. I got them. I don't care anymore. I built it. Now I got all these like how to wire your house. I don't care. It's wired now. You know, how to put up drywall. I watched like a few videos on it. Now YouTube thinks I want to watch all the videos on drywall. So yeah, it's really is optimized um, for that. I had to learn about some of the sound deadening because we, we actually physically build the walls. What's the best sound deadening? Turns out there's a lot of people on YouTube that have videos about that topic and they won't stop showing up in my feed. I actually, sometimes when I search for something, I switch 
to different users so I can look up a bunch of stuff and then go back to my normal recommendations. And I even have one uh, YouTube account that just suggests all the dumb things I watch at night, like, you know, car crashes and stupid things you find that make me laugh. So Idiots was, at work uh, is a great content topic. <laughs> I had to put a guest account on my YouTube channel on my TV because my wife with her aerobics videos mm. and my daughter, my eight-year-old with her Ryan's toy review just oh, completely God. destroyed my recommended playlist. So I'm like, guys, I created a guest account. When you go on YouTube, please, for the love of God, because I just want to watch. Yeah, I watch uh, Russian dash cam videos. and Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> oh, those are like hours of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Then um the break ch- i don't know why it's like it's like a bad horror movie like the break check semis um oh my god like my feed is literally there's like probably 15 different things i've subscribed to and like it's just all that semi um, versus train that'll send you down a rabbit ooh, hole of it. Ooh, i gotta go down yeah. that one. there's a whole category for it oh like- my god <laughs> and that's the thing too like uh, you know to get in like content wise and it, something we always talked about was the content that you do is 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 insanely unique, and I mean that in a good way, of vendors that a lot of us never heard of. And I'm just, and I don't mean to be mean. There's a lot of, there's some stuff yeah. that it's common, um, but most of it is for, there's a lot of open source. There's a lot of things that normally aren't used. Um, like I said, I don't mean that in a better way. How do no. you find, how do you find some of these vendors? Is it just like, are you doing your Google searches too? And you find, Hey, this is a cool new vendor. And then you kind of tinker with it and then put out the tutorial, you know? Yeah, that's, it's a weird symbiotic relationship with some of the vendors too. Uh, One of them was we started like a weird example, but I'm now part of the documentation for an open source project. Now Um, there's a company that, is uh, based out of France and they provided a orchestration tool that worked with Citrix that is used in quite a bit of the uh, data centers and a lot of smaller mid-range ISPs. It's huge in Europe. It's actually bigger in Europe than it is here in the US. But it's one of those things like Citrix made a couple really bad decisions in their licensing. And uh, Oliver, the guy who runs the other company, realized, well, his product is based on Citrix selling lots of product. If Citrix is angering the market, they're not selling product. And, you know, Citrix actually just went private, which is interesting in itself, but they lost a lot of that market in the virtualization. They decided to spin up an entirely open source project. I started working with them and really understanding how it worked uh, and then started creating videos on it. This became a lot because it would over it would install right over the top of Citrix. So it was a drop in replacement was part of the strategy and it was open source. It didn't have any licensing attached to it. And it was a convergence of I created a lot of tutorials because I found it to be a fascinating product because of how well it worked. Combine that with VMware raising prices and uh whatnot. So Citrix made some bad decisions. VMware raises prices and people go, what's another hypervisor that scales to like a few thousand VMs, like something, you know, enterprise worthy uh, that actually works. And the company, their backend money is selling um, support contracts. They completely give the software away for free. You can use it all you want. Oh, by the way, you like a support contract and they're doing so well selling support contracts. He hired 30 people in the last year. Um, that, That was Red Hat's model, right? Yeah, it's the same. It's the same yeah. thing as Red Hat's yeah. model, and obviously Red Hat's model had some value. At least IBM thought so, and they're still, you know, out there kicking it. So there's, it's just one of those. Sometimes it's a weird coincidence like that that I found it. I made the videos. It became more popular. People started looking for the videos. People started buying consulting from us to integrate it into their stack, and uh, 
We've done some very large integrations. Uh, we helped a company in Europe build out their phone system platform all based on it with, an, you know, uh, 2000 servers across several locations in Europe. We've done a lot of smaller ones here. And the same thing, they're kind of companies with some internal IT teams we consult with that go, ah, you know, VMware, or I've just had one too many problems with Hyper-V. Um, we outgrew it. It's just buggy every time there's a one, like the last Windows update that sent it into a reboot loop. It's like, what else is out there? Hey, where's this weird YouTube guy? And next thing you know, they're engaging with us to uh, have them build things out. And it uh, becomes, that's that's kind of the, it, it's accidentally a business model for me, um, but I was already doing the consulting anyways. Like the inbound lead thing wasn't like, I'm going to do these tutorials so people get leads. It started out as, I just like talking about it because one of my uh, successes has been we launched last year, the Home Lab Show. I think, and Bob, you know this for sure, you work in tech. Is there maybe a little bit of a talent shortage right now in tech? We could probably no. do more. <laughs> no. Yeah, you don't have any insight into that. But, uh, well, coupled with, I mean, Randy can attest to this, the lack of decent documentation that's out there it's horrible right right and you couple those two together and you get a human being speaking humanly in human words um in in you know digestible a digestible format and voila you got a you know a key to success and that that was the thing tom i wanted to talk about is like i think people appreciate you and at least i have at least your authenticity is is you kind of exude it i don't mean that in a weird way just you're very you're very authentic and a hard thing to get caught up on especially when you get to this level on youtube dumb is people saying hey tom here's a check for 20 g's i want you to say how awesome my shit is go (laughs) you know and and i I know you've stayed away from it you probably don't want to count the money that you've lost from doing that oh i know it makes me mad i sometimes wonder (laughs) well and from the same token though i i guess Talk to me about that because this has got to be a, it's got to be a hard thing. It's it goes kind of goes back to when we did the pink slip parties, and we did them for free, and then we looked at oh my god, if we would have just told the recruiters, just give me your basic referral fee that's like a thousand bucks, like that's seven figures of money that we just said nah. Do I regret it now? Maybe. <laughs> um, but it's a thing. So I mean, how do you? stay authentic and then kind of also, you know, (laughs) not turn or turn away opportunities like that. Yeah. It's kind of hard. You know, I focus on, as I said, a lot of the education side of it, because one of the things that makes me really happy and makes me think I'm still doing something right is when I get a nice, you know, someone will DM me on Twitter or whatever going, dude, you helped me so much uh, do this or that and the other. Matter of fact, I became friends with a local guy. I was actually bicycling down the street. Someone screams my name. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm like confused. Someone's yelling my name. And I'm like, then the guy pulls up and he's driving a nice car. Uh, I think it was like a, a, a Dodge, um, one of the Hellcats. But anyways, we start talking. We, we personally became friends. And my videos helped him change from he was an auto worker right here in Detroit. And he didn't want to do that no more. He now works for a Fortune 1000 company doing cybersecurity. And he he flat out told me, went, he said, dude, let me buy you a beer. I'm like, well, I'm on my bike. Let me drop my bike off. But it's like those type of things make me feel like I'm doing the right thing. It makes me feel a little better that I didn't just take the money to promote a product because companies are really really wanting you to like, here's some product and here's some cash. Tell everyone how great this thing is. And here's the script. Here's the entire read. You can add a little bit, a little bit, keep these points, make sure you make these points. Like they're willing to send 
all the details over to you to try to make your job easy. And there's a lot of people on YouTube that do play it fast and loose because it's lucrative for them. One, they don't have to have the deeply technical knowledge because the script was handed to them. It comes pre-configured with support because these companies are trying to push a product. And the only thing they're doing is checking a little box if you read and no one pays attention. Hey, Bob, how often do you ever look in a corner where there's a little faded watermark that says paid promotion somewhere in this video? But they don't even say where it is. Yeah, right. you're like... <laughs> well, that was the thing. We had that challenge, albeit it was a different one, when we were booking ad reads for the likes of Harry's and Casper and HelloFresh. And I'll be damned if everything but the, like the VPN products, which I don't use on my for my cell phone, everything was kind of awesome. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, Harry's shave kits was great. Um, HelloFresh was great. I I still sleep on the Casper mattresses we read for. Um, you know, that was actually because people used to ask me all the time, like, do you really use that shit? And I go, yeah, like none of it's bad. Like everything, like I still wear a Scotty vest. I think it's one of the coolest jackets I own. Um, That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. I know. <laughs> um, I never used, uh, I think Toro bought from us. I never used that, but it's not like, you know, cause I also don't rent my car out. And I, when I rent a car, it's from enterprise, not from Jim. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> But again, that's always trying to stay authentic. It's it's got to be hard, especially when you do so much stuff. Yes, it the, it just the number of people throwing different money out there and things like that is interesting. Especially in the tech space, it's even harder to evaluate a product if it was a firewall or something. Like, hold on, I got to install these not just once, but usually at scale. So a lot of the times when I find solutions or when I talk to a solution. It's very frequently that I've spent a lot of time deploying it, configuring it, uh, using it within our business, consulting on the product. So they come from a very genuine experience with it. So I'm not just kind of like, oh, they're going to pay me. So I best I should learn this. But then you don't have to learn as much because they have a good support contract and they give you a script to read anyways to right. tell you how great it is. So well, that's, uh, yeah. on, on top of that, though, like let's say, you know, there's Firewall X, right? And you do a video and you got 25 people that say, I need you to help me in my company. So now all of a sudden you're like, hey, I should do another video for Firewall X. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and you know, I, I don't I think you like, again, I think you do a good job balancing um, without without repeating and things like that, because, you know, I, it's probably super easy to do. Yeah. And it, a lot of my evaluations start with when I'm looking for any product, a big thing is, is it open source? I look at that a lot because I've been an open source advocate before it was cool. I started like in 96 doing some of the open source stuff and trying to do any of that in the enterprise world was kind of just really one off. It didn't become popular until more recent times, but I've just kind of stayed the course and said, hey, finally, I'm relevant. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I think everyone was like every geek or IT purist I've ever known loves open source until they're working for that fortune 500 and they're trying to deploy it for their own environment. And they're like, yeah, no, can't not even an option. Um, but at home, their whole entire basement's just bombarded with it. And I think they're passionate about it, but they can't use it. Yeah. And it, uh, the cloud, of course, says, you know, someone else's computer, but Hey, someone else's computer in a big data center needs to do things at scale. So that's where open source obviously has always lived. And a lot of the, you know, Apache servers in the early stuff for scalability on the web. And it's come home to be a lot more integrated. I mean, Hey, Microsoft isn't going anywhere. I can be as optimistic yeah. as I want, but they're not going anywhere. They still have the best authentication system, most integrated authentication system out there. But well, what they the did with the, what they did the subscription modeling uh, perpetual software was, I think that kind of, I didn't really save the company, but that really, that propelled them into just a stratosphere that they can't be, they're untouchable at this point. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and and of course they're raising other prices because they can. They're sitting they on can. an incredible amount of cash surplus. They're not hurting for money, and they're like, we can just dial the knob up if we want to make my money. So we are. <laughs> so- well, I remember when they first started; it was just web based, and I hated it. Oh, I still hate it. I hate. Um, oh, uh, I hate Outlook on you know on yeah. uh, URL based. There's a lot of people that, that swear by it. Personally, oh, it's I don't so much better than the desktop client. The desktop uh, client I know, is so I'm full old, of bloat I'm, and I'm old man yells at cloud. I get it. <laughs> you know, but like you know, now that they made it where it's subscription based for desktop and for web based, you have a choice. I'm all I'm down. I think it's great. Uh, you know, they again. They I think they uh, whatever they did. Um, the new CEO, I forget what his name is. Satya Nadella. Um, yeah, completely, completely did a phenomenal job. Uh, yeah. Adobe, Adobe, same thing. They completely re- reinvigorated and re-energized that company, which I, a lot of people thought was dead. Yeah, I, oddly, I was at Microsoft Ignite and a couple other big events do, as a podcaster uh, interviewing some of the people when they launched their cloud stuff in 2017 um, because they wanted someone Linuxy there. So me and my friends from another podcast we had were all there. It was It's interesting. And they, they basically, Satya Nadella says, all right, um, no sacred cows. We're uh, we're seriously just going to go where our customers are. And by the way, they're in Azure. They want these hosted services. They don't always want to have everything on prem. We're going to make it convenient for them, and we'll support Linux. We'll support Windows. We'll give you good deals on licenses when you run it in Azure. So yeah, they had a, he had a good vision that really did bring the company to, like you said, stratosphere. They went from doing good to wow. I mean, yeah. Their profit margins. I mean, if you're an investor in Microsoft, you're you're a happy oh, camper. <laughs> absolutely. Speaking of your podcast, I want to, I just want to call you a crackhead for the record. Um, doing a Sunday morning Linux review at like seven in the morning. Um, <laughs> now, are you? Would you ever? Now, are you ever going to make that into a YouTube channel? Or are you still doing the podcast? Is that dead? That one. That one kind of died because we always did it in person. And it was a good convergence. And when we couldn't do it quite in person anymore, uh, because everyone got different jobs. And it it's funny because like the people that were on the podcast, like Phil works for the Linux Foundation. He is an engineer for things. Um, Tony works for a company that does DDoS mitigation for large global companies. Like their, their pedigree, so to speak, is really good. But all of them, as they took some of these different positions, suddenly none of our things lined up and so it's been really hard uh to get together we're still friends we all we have a co- you know our private chat where we send our geek stuff and laugh about things but we haven't been able to get together now in a while to actually make that podcast a thing anymore so it's kind of we don't call it dead we joke around like we're going to do it again soon but then it just it's hard it hasn't really come to fruition well it's <laughs> kind of funny had just... kids too and then they that's only killed their schedule more <laughs> right I mean, it's kind of parallels with us. You know what I mean? Like our show used to be an event, you know, before we used to pre-drink, you know, hang out, do the show, go out afterwards. You know, now it's, you know, we do our, we do our hour show and, you know, you turn around and you watch uh, Monday Night Raw. You know, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Only I do. Randy doesn't. <laughs> um, not at all. <laughs> but, you know, it'll be nice to get with people we can all start, you know, getting together you know because i think the studios are all gone now um i think it's time to start building one or just get doing something i know you build yours in your basement you're not going to be knocking on your door at nine o'clock at night on mondays Um, (laughs) i don't care come on over oh i got got drinks all right just don't tell your wife no i'm just kidding (laughs) why is bob over so late you know recording um no but so uh i wanted to get into and you kind of talked about it a little bit um, finding the next thing. Um, I know, I know we have casting on all the time. 
his job is to find out the next thing in cybersecurity, right? He always, right. he's trying to stay 18 months ahead and he, his job is to educate what's coming up. Um, how are you staying ahead? Um, are you trying to find, like when you talk about the curve, right? The early adopters, the mainstream, and then, you know, there's, I don't, I don't remember what the hell that curve was called. Randy, do you know what that is? Um, where they talk about like software adoption and it's like the, the bell curve and the, the beginning no. ones are like, you know, they'll buy anything new. And then there's the, yeah. you know, version three Oh, they're finally, you know, now it's mainstream. But anyway, how are you, are you just evaluating stuff and going, Oh, this, this shit's cool. Are you, um, you know, kind of talking to your peer groups, I guess, or is it a mix of everything? So it's a mix of everything. Uh, the peer groups are huge to figure out who's who and who's looking at what. Uh, that's a big factor in it. The other thing too, is just who I follow, even on places like Twitter and hackers, hackers build cool things. They grow up and you follow some of these people who built something cool when they were younger and, you know, speaking at DEF CON or whatever. And then you're later following them doing something even bigger, still speaking at DEF CON probably. And uh, one of them, uh, someone I got to know a little bit was HD Moore. Now, if you're in the cybersecurity world at all, you've heard of the Metasploit framework and everything around that. He was the brainchild behind that. He's got a sounds few like other a projects. Company. What's that? He said he sounds like a paint company. Yeah, I know, doesn't he? <laughs> HD Moore, yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. But uh, for he t- after he sold that, he became a uh, red teamer. And he said, man, there's no tools to uh, take these enterprise networks because very large companies hire him to pen test their companies. And he's like, I can't enumerate their networks fast enough, so I'm going to write something. He wrote something that was so beyond any tool on the market for network discovery. It's next level. So I'm listening to him on a podcast and I'm like, oh, so, you know, you follow whatever he's doing is probably going to be something interesting. He's got some cool stories. And he started this new company called Rumble right away take to it and then you know i did a video on it and became very popular really quickly and i didn't even reach out to him i just did the video and started playing with it and it's something we include in our uh tools that we you know when we had to do a, a new client onboarding and discover because no one knows what the hell's on their network that's that's just given in it the bigger the company the less they know about it he's and probably getting a lot of play now with rumble with uh if you saw what did they offer joe rogan a hundred million dollars and they won't censor anything Is that oh yeah rumble also <laughs> what's I that got, i don't that was called rumble also wasn't it something like that yeah it, came out, it was today I, yeah because i don't you i don't even know what it is i don't know if it's a podcast player or whatever but yeah it's another one with a similar name yeah it's it's i know because they yeah you're right they did i seen that in the news i seen the headline at least i didn't click on it i'm like eh. yeah he'll never you know. sign but you got a ton of free pr so hats off to you yeah Absolutely. But it's kind of fun. You know, you dive into it. Uh, you start playing with the different tools. Um, it, it's such a combination of things where you sometimes will see something somewhere and go, that's interesting. I wonder how they how they did that. And that comes a lot to the peers. I always look for people who solve things in a innovative way. But then you're right. Not everything scales. Not everything just because it's open source is a fit for the enterprise market. Does it fit? Will it integrate with something uh, when it comes like the storage servers, the ones we use? Of course, they integrate seamlessly with things like VMware, Active Directory, Veeam, all the big major players. It might be an open source product, but it has a niche and it plugs into all those other things and becomes a core component of their network. Well, that's obviously a product that can be very popular. And so, we, you know, that's I do a lot of that's the TrueNAS product and we do a lot of storage uh, views on knows uh we've seen a lot of people using 45 drives so we became a partner with them tore down their systems and started using them and we've we've installed using the 45 drives hardware uh if you're familiar with like backblaze for storage you ever heard of them backblaze yeah Backblaze is one of the huge storage providers. They compete head-to-head with uh, Amazon S3 storage 
they do it at a killer price. And how they did it at a killer price? Well, group of in- interesting engineers. Um, how they put their data centers together using commodity hardware? Well, that's where 45 Drives is born. So it's all these little things I dive into and find out about. And then it becomes one more thing that we review on the channel, start talking about it. We became friends with the people over at 45 Drives. Uh, We did a handful of videos and have a handful of more coming up for the way they do storage and everything else. And it's it's a lot of the back end components, which once again, kind of said, brings me to a uniqueness of my channel. Not everybody's talking about the nuts and bolts that go inside. Everyone looks at the data center rack. Cool. It's got a lot of flashy lights in it. But what are those flashy lights is what interests me. You know, what are the products inside of there? And, you know, how can they be integrated? Can I do tutorials on them? And comes all the way full circle back to we need more people in tech. Throwing this knowledge out there gets people excited, interested. And the best part about a lot of the open source stuff is they can play with this at home. <laughs> that's that's like the same yeah, server we installed in a Fortune 500 company that is running over a petabyte of storage for each server we have on there. And it's literally software you can just download for free and load on your computer and play with it. Same interface, same software. You just can't afford as many drives as they have. <laughs> Right, right, right. Now, can you tell that I've been in the enterprise the last like 15 years? If it's not like pure storage or a uh, net app, I don't, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, bud. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that, that's why, that, that's why I was like talking to you about this stuff. Cause I'm like, you know, there, there's so much, there's absolutely so much of you look at like even like storage vendors and all that. There's it's, it's, it's bananas how many players there are in that game. Like anyone oh, that's yeah. even saying, Hey, I want to spin up a storage company. Like there's companies out there like, you know, Quantum been around forever um they went they had to go niche because they weren't it, it became such a such an oddball play um they got into like atis markets and trunk servers and things like that um you know it, i'm just thinking of like all the just different vendors that i've dealt with in the past that i had to like that i don't want to pivot's not allowed to say but they had to change <laughs> their uh <laughs> their, their their direction um in, in in who they who they talked to and who they called on um what's uh I guess the stuff you've done recently, what's something that that you don't think a lot of people have heard about that uh, you might be bringing out into the into the light? Ooh, which one I recently? On, I put you on the spot. Put me on the spot. I'm trying to think of which one of all the things I played with uh, recently. I'm going to be doing um, a few more on Zabbix. And Zabbix is one of the absolutely um, – one. it's kind of weird because it's almost like there's a, a – a, darkness in the u.s on this stuff zabbix uh one of the companies that was showcased has like six million endpoints they're monitoring with zabbix it's a really interesting monitoring tool uh it has all kinds of cool scripting and it's made for enterprises it's made for companies that have six million devices they want to track it scales like that but it's kind of one of those things that but you never heard of it here you and you've been an enterprise never heard of it but if you had a ton of network equipment and it's fully open source it's got you can do it agent or agent list when you're setting it up. So it supports a diverse amount of hardware. Um, I've did some videos on it being popular. So the uh, open source group that runs that uh, came out to me and said, you know, Hey, can we sponsor the video for that? And I said, well, I'm already doing videos on it. So we'll, we'll just co-offer, uh, we'll co-author some things. I don't know if I really want to take a sponsorship because that way my views, cause I use the product as well as so I'm biased. That's one of them. Um, another one for all the new compliance rules that are coming is going to be gray log. It's one of the, it's a pretty amazing logging tool out there that once again, free and open source, but also used, it actually is used already by a lot of very, very large companies. And it competes with all these commercial products like Splunk and things like that uh, for doing that. And Zabbix and Splunk probably have more of a crossover than Greylog. Greylog's more for logging, but these are 
you know, stuff you can download yourself and set up because it doesn't have a license, does have enterprise support. They do sell enterprise contracts. And probably one of those little keys I'm looking for a lot of times in a company uh, is not just is it open source. I'm not here looking for a free handout. I love a company that has a business model behind it. That's that's a key indicator whether or not they'll be successful from three guys working on a project that I hope keep working on the project to, nope, Greylog is an entire business. They have a company. They have a business model selling contracts or like the XCPNG. There's a business model selling contracts. So uh, we're seeing growth in each of those because we've done more consulting on those. But I think those are a couple of the more niche ones that probably you never heard of that are going to be more popular. But I already know the the XCPNG that I mentioned earlier. That's I can't believe how many more companies are uh, using that like every day. That's uh that's another one that's growing fast it, and they're going head to head with VMware on it. So I, I actually see them taking a little bit more of their market in the next year or two. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, it's one thing like VMware. I was when Dell bought them, I'm like, Oh, there goes that, you know, there it goes. Um, but they left them alone and I think they've been doing fine, but it's for some reason, I feel like they're not innovating. Am I? That's like, the big thing that they were. They were so ahead of the game at one point. Yeah, they they were the market leaders in innovation. Now they become, we keep doing this because we can just keep renewing the licenses. And yeah. what made a lot of people angry. So, you know, you got in the market, AMD, um, generous, if you're thinking AMD even has better than a 1% market share, but their new processors are energy efficient and have a lot more cores in them. So we've, you know, and Dell got into selling them because, you know, Dell broke the, uh, in their enterprise server market. So, you know, we're going to sell some of these AMD processors because they're wattage efficient. Of course, that's what data centers are looking for. And this meant VMware said, oh, we see the writing on the wall. More cores means uh, we're licensing per socket. So that's where their license changes came that actually angered people. So, and they're like, we're well, going to pay more license fees to get these. So your cost savings of saving some wattage and, and having a more efficient system just went out the door back over to some uh, new license fees by VMware for not buying Intel. Like we're going to punish you for uh, not buying these. So those little convergences in the market seem subtle, but they do push some of that change. Combine that, like you said, that VMware is not innovating. I, I don't, I thought it was the weirdest thing. Did you see Will Smith spoke at the VMware conference? No, that's what I said. I'm like, I don't know. I like, I mean, a great actor, brilliant actor. I love Will Smith. I don't know what he's doing at VMware. Like I, when um, I seen the lineup. If of I could tell you, if I could tell you the people that spoke at the conferences I've been to, um, Cisco 2014, I think Hillary Clinton spoke. <laughs> um, and then we had like Bruno Mars play. Um, I've been to, I've been to conferences where they had Adam West, um, well, and he I, was trying to, re- and he was trying to relate to like innovation by saying that he had some shark spray, um, when the shark got on him, like, and it was just really bizarre. Um, we've had, uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, oh, one of the Cisco ones, we had the CEO of Apple, which was kind of cool. Cause we were doing some co stuff. Um, but they always hire the worst year ever from attendance wise at the after concert at HP, they had smash mouth and oh, no one, and literally nobody showed up. Um, at least the year before it was cheap trick. Um, and then we had like Bon Jovi doing an acoustic set at the, you know, it, the, the amount of money that these big companies throw at these events. Now here's the thing. Did, did they, did they feed Will Smith like a couple like insider jargon lines to get like a chuckle from the nerd crowd? I mean, it's usually I what hope. they do and it sounds really bad. 
I hope they did. I didn't see it. I just seen it on the lineup and I'm like, really? And I actually messaged Oliver, uh, who, the other team. I'm like, so you guys getting Will Smith? He's like, no, we're speaking at the, actually, they spoke at one of the big conferences in Europe at those roughly the same time. He's like, that's a completely different thing. He's like, well, no, you know, we they, they, those things, they, they get like um, sponsors from Intel and AMD and all the people that sell to them. And then, so like they peel off a million dollars and say, but it doesn't, people don't care like who's speaking or who's playing the concert. You could literally just have a DJ spinning, whatever. And I think everybody would be just fine, but they have to go with this over the top thing. And, and, you know, yeah, I think they feel they have to or something. And honestly, from the, the geeky nerd people I hang out with, the people putting their fingers on the keyboards in the data centers, you know, we don't care. Celebrities, that's cool. We like to watch TV, too. But uh, it comes down to, does your product do something more than it did before? Did you make my life easier with this product? Does it uh, have better uptime because it doesn't crash as much? Or did you do what VMware did and fire a big percentage of your support personnel and say, hmm, we don't need those people? <laughs> we need Will Smith. We don't need all the support people. Uh, yeah, those tickets can go a little bit longer. And by the way, we're also raising prices. Like, oh my God, do you remember? Do you remember VCE? I had like three friends that worked for them. It was like VMware, Cisco. It was like pre <laughs> uh, hyperconverged infrastructure, and it was a, they like created a stack using. It was like a virtualized stack. Um, it was right before they did software to find everything. Yeah. Um, but that, that that was a very short-lived company because I think VMware, yeah, when they got bought by Dell, it kind of dissolved the whole thing. But there was they hired hitters in the field to go push and sell this stuff. It was crazy. Yeah, I I think it's you know it, people will figure it out. It, you have to really push for innovation because a lot of this stuff just kind of sits there, and we mostly just want it to work. And some of these companies have started failing at the baseline configuration problems. Some of the security problems that Cisco's had have not been good. Partly it's because Cisco started buying up all these things. So they inherited security problems, but, right. you know, and then transparency because of supply chain attacks or when these companies, oh yeah, I forgot we did put a default password that you couldn't change. We didn't think anyone would ever find it out. And then of course, if you're a company that gets hit with that, or you look at some of the incidents that SonicWalls had in the last year that have been you know, total disasters. One of Sonic Wall's disasters was so big, they had to shut down part of their own VPN service and couldn't get their site updated to say when the system would be up. They sent a wow. bunch of them in boot loop two weeks ago. A lot of these companies, you're losing confidence because IT is high pressure. Uh, we don't, we, it's hard enough configuring the products when the products unconfigure themselves and unravel because of bad updates, especially in the firewall markets. Uh, you're like, I don't care how many celebrities you put up there. I I, I just want your product to work. <laughs> so. And that's the thing. Like, I remember going back, like back in the day, when I say back in the day for me, that's like 2009, 2012-ish. And I remember HP used to always pitch uh, to outsource support to them because 80% of your life is just doing break fix and 20% is innovating. And I'm looking now at 2022, almost at 21. Um <laughs> And I don't think it's changed at all for as much stuff has been invented and released and pushed from shrinking the stacks to virtualization, to cloud, to IaaS, PaaS, you know, kiss my ass. Um, it's, it's, I don't think it's changed. I think, I think the big companies, the small companies are all still break fix, 80%, 20% innovation at best. Yeah. I don't know what, what do you, th what's your, am I wrong? No, I still think there's 
there's just a lot of it out there. You spend so much time scurrying around for it. I mean, you know, we're trying to push for more, you, you know, some of the product lifecycle updates so you, you can have something that's less likely to break, something that's not as built on a uh, flimsy hardware, but it's, it's a slow iteration uh, to get there. I think we're getting a little bit better, but there's still, there's still some definite, definite kinks in the chain. You look at something like Log4j, how many people lost the last month working in security trying to fix all those little problems because yeah, exactly. someone over, had an oversight. And then as we dug deeper into it, someone actually did a talk at a hacker conference like five years ago, exactly about this problem. And no one really thought it was that big of a deal. Wow. You just didn't write the code to weaponize it. And once someone weaponized it, you're like, this has been hanging out for a long time. <laughs> well, if you think about it though, the advancements in automation the advancements in automated server builds and the stuff that like used to clog up IT departments, it's all automated and yet they're still working on break fix. They're still like not pushing the envelope. They're still, you know what I mean? And I'm yeah. trying to, I don't know if there's a big disconnect or if, it, if I'm wrong. I think we've built some extremely complicated things and then combine that with maybe not enough really talented understanding programmers um when you look at so there was a weird um usb driver that's got integrated into a bunch of kind of consumer firewalls and kind of created a security uproar because of the flaw that was in there and is even if you looked at the code if you were not an experienced coder and understand how things are stored in the um, namespaces within there, it's so easy to overlook how they thought they were doing it right, but didn't. And this is kind of the challenge is hurry up and get it done. So they're using frameworks. They're not really understanding the code they do. So they create products that are less than good. And then us as the janitors of the internet and cleaning up all these things at places, <laughs> we spend less time innovating and telling someone how we can use technology to enhance their life, but then spend a lot of time instead chasing like, yeah, I know it just reboots on Fridays because it does. <laughs> well, of course it does. <laughs> just, right. So I think that does, it, it's kind of a drag when you spend that much time um, fixing a bunch of stuff. Cause it does take away from the time. I'd rather be innovating, thinking about a better way to handle your data, a better way to make your life more efficient with better technology. Cause I got to keep fixing the technology we have that broke. And then somewhere along the lines, I got to convince you, the business owner, you need more of this stuff that's broke over here. You need some more of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I just sell boats, Tom. I don't need all this crap. Yeah, you do. Um, <laughs> your hey, fridge I, needs I, an update, I, so you can open it. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I want to dive back to your YouTube channel real quick because there's something I totally forgot to tackle. Um, at what point? At at one point, one point in your sh uh, show, you decided to start doing like business talks. Like, and you yeah. brought Brett in, and you guys were talking about like non-technical, um, kind of like stuff like more 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 like stuff i understand right when yeah. you get in the weeds i'm lost but you know this stuff um but you noticed like you weren't getting the engagement views the just all of it so like you literally you had to strip it out and like create a new channel yep i guess what triggered that because I'm, I'm totally intrigued because i talk about like the consistency and content um was it an engagement thing because like the nerds that follow you are like i don't want to talk about this crap Yep. Or and that's it? exactly what it is. So if you're following my channel and you're watching some firewall tutorials, some storage servers, or me ramble on about some uh, open source product, and then all of a sudden somewhere in between, 
how to get better sales or how to fire a customer or how to deal with a customer this or customer that, any of those type of things. Um, I literally sat down and went through and Google's been telling me this for a while. They have all the analytics. You just got to sit down and read them all. And for each video, they will tell you not just how that audience got there, but they'll also say a very specific thing. How many people click the unsubscribe button on that video? And Boy, some of the business videos sometimes lose me 30 people. I mean, I'm getting 125 or more people on the previous video where I talked about uh, like a Synology NAS or something like that. The next video, me and Brett did it on our Tuesday morning, Tuesday morning business talks. We threw it up there and 20 people left my channel because they're going, "Uh uh-uh. This guy's got some BS I don't want to hear. And uh, so I found it really interesting. I didn't, I went back through all the videos and going, wow, even going back further, still lost numbers, been losing numbers here for a while. So we split it off and said, all right, the Venn diagram doesn't overlap. I'm an oddball out. I'm not the norm. I'm not someone uh, who is just technical. I also own a business. So I like talking about some of the business topics because it helps a lot of people. And I, the crazy thing is I get such good feedback on this business videos. Like personally, like back to those DMs I get on Twitter, messages I get on LinkedIn. Hey, Tom, thought it was awesome. You really helped me land that client or you made me see things a little bit different or how we should have raised our prices and blah, blah, blah. So I like the feedback I got. I didn't like the subscribers I was losing. So we just launched it as a new channel, which will be done probably another week. We did new graphics for it, everything. Um, so there's that's a whole fun thing we're working on. And uh, I'm actually, I, I'm officially I'll invite you over to it, Bob, too, because I've got some other people that work in exactly your space, like biz dev enterprise sales. They're not fingers on keyboard. They're not technical people. I'm just kind of bringing the content along with it for uh, my insight, but I got people from uh, high up at ConnectWise. They're going to be down there and things like that. So, nice. you know, just fun talking biz stuff and we're making it super like your style. We're, we're not going to call it a mastermind group or any of the other uh, trigger words for Bob. <laughs> Thank you. No, cause I remember it's kind of going to uh, waste like the Oktoberfest uh, episode with uh, Jared daily Detroit, I'm like, where's the Oktoberfest episode? We did like an hour and a half or whatever content. I remember we did a we did one on, I think it was just it was just was it introducing me? Yeah. Um I'm like, I kept looking for it on YouTube because I wanted to show my kid. I did like I figured you're just not gonna air it. And you're like, yeah, no, I totally pivoting the channel because of the business stuff doesn't work. I'm like, totally I watched cool, it totally and cool. we have and I still have it. It's still sitting there and it's something I'm gonna figure out. Like we'll have you on it and we'll throw it on that other channel. We talked a lot of great stuff, but I realized so much of that stuff is so off topic to the people um, that regularly subscribe to the channel. I guess it is, it, I should have seen it sooner. I mean, you can't go deep in the weeds where I do an entire video about policy routes on a firewall and then pivot to, let's talk about sales, guys. Because <laughs> yeah, they're usually I mean, not the people wearing the same hat. We always we always did a Star Wars episode whenever a movie came out in the theaters. We always had a Star Wars episode. But we always figured it was, you know, we never really dove in the weeds anyway. We were always conversational. And what do you know? We all talk Star Wars. It's a huge part of our life. Yeah. So yeah, we're not going to ignore it. Um, just kind of like um, sci-fi shows in general. I, I'm pretty much, you know, don't 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 crucify me, but you know, every except for Dune, I'm pretty much love every single sci-fi movie I've ever seen. I don't even care how crappy it is. Um, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna get hate 
Randy's going to send me hate mail for that. Nobody else. <laughs> but, um, and, and I think that's fine. Cause I think when you talk about any sci-fi pop culture stuff that there is a definite crossover transcends. Sure. Yeah. It's easy. Cause I, you know, I spend my day working in the data center, fixing computers for whatever I do, those type of jobs um, that would watch the content I might put out. Um, of course that when they're done, they're like, Hey, I'm done. F- listen to people tell me their printers broke. I've, I've had enough of that. Let me watch some, uh, you know, Boba Fett, let me watch some uh, Yoda here. Let's, that's, that's way easier and it's way better to watch. That's a great segue, Tom, because I, I always thought that politics was like the poison of the internet. And there's two things that just got added to it. Um, I'm not going to get dive too much, but if you're a pro wrestling fan, the introduction of AEW into the pro wrestling mix has turned, you know, good versus bad it's kind of like republicans and democrats right there's you got to pick a side and you can't be both and one sucks and it's just it's it's the most toxic um thing i've ever seen in my life other than politics and now the third one that's come up is boba fett and it's driving me absolutely nuts and i and i'm a like a moth to a flame i read this crap and i totally shouldn't because i know what i'm getting myself into but like it, 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 what it is is well, I didn't think Boba Fett was going to be like that. Well, well, I, I in my mind, Boba Fett was supposed to be this. I can't believe he's talking, and, and he should have beat uh, this guy's ass. You know, well, everybody should be happy then because these last two episodes, he's barely been on screen and he doesn't have any lines. Now they're bitching about just like that. in the movies. <laughs> no, but then they're bitching about that now. They're like I'm watching Boba Fett. And there's no Boba Fett. Like, well, eh. it's literally <laughs> like you could. You could literally do anything, and I think someone's going to complain. Like, I remember the you know a lot of people didn't like the mods when they came out with the with the little with their Vespa scooters. I get that if you don't like it, but it's not going to make me not watch or not like the show. It's kind of like I'm trying to think like equate it to like going out to a restaurant and you get like a seven course meal, and that salad just the dressing was kind of ugh. And but you have this amazing steak and you have amazing appetizers and drinks and the company's great, but yet you go online and bitch about the salad dressing. That's what it feels like to me. Um, I'm so glad that there's Star Wars on TV. Like I'm so thankful that there's so much thought being put into this. I watch the Screen Crush videos and the amount of thought and and detail that go into these episodes is is uncanny of anything I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Um, and then to complain about it, garbage. And like, I don't get it, man. The like, I can't imagine the hate crap you get, but I want to stick on point with Boba Fett or like toxic uh, internet culture. I don't get it, man. I think it's just like, are you just sitting in your basement going, blah, crap, garbage, poop. There, you know, there's definitely people who are like, my rant of the day. I'm more of a uh, Star Trek than a Star Wars fan. So I'll take the hate in the comments on that. (laughs) But the, But the um, it's funny because even in in that culture, there's some people who I have a particular friend. I hang on once in a while, dude. He knows who wrote each episode and obsesses over arguments and details. I'm just like drinking another beer while he'll argue with another friend over it. Like there's some people I think go too far into it. But then again, I think it's better than arguing about something political or something like that. Sometimes I just laugh, especially when I'm flying the wall watching them debate it. I think some people get a little bit too tribal about it. Like they're in this camp and there's no change in their mind. Uh, it can be entertaining to watch as long as they don't take it too far. But 
Uh, I overall though, I'm like you, I'm happy to see all the different sci-fi. I'm happy to see more star Wars on TV, more star Trek on TV. Like this is just good. I'm, I'm a nerd and I'm sick. Like my wife though, she still isn't into all that, you know, I go upstairs. What are you watching? Murder porn. You know, the, the, yeah. uh, all those, uh, whodunit shows criminal, the, I hate the way those are produced. They found the body and they had to pick the stuff off there. The forensics lead you to this and the bite marks to this. And I'm like, Oh God, that's those shows are so dull. And there was like too many of them for a while. Like I love that. I mean, uh, mean, that whole murder porn episode stuff. They had me cracking up. (laughs) Do you know the Drake meme where he's like giving the hand, like, and then the, the thumbs up. Yeah. And I always put like, Actual series, actual murders, like nah, you know, <laughs> 10 years later on Netflix, like, yeah, yeah, you know, like people love that shit, but like when it happens, they're like, oh no, murders. And then, like, you know, they want to see the damn dot wait 10 years documentary, and then it's like binge watch. Um, but no, going like with the again, see, Star Trek versus Star Wars isn't even that hostile. I don't, most people they'll pick one or the other. It's kind of like Michigan, Michigan State. There's, it's, but there's not any hatred. Like I don't hate you for liking Star right. Trek. I like the, you know, and we all grew up watching, you know, the old '60s stuff, and we, I, I like the new movies, the J.J. Abrams ones. I don't shoot me for that. I thought those were great. Yeah, um, he's amazing. He put that together so well. I, I thought so too. I, I really did. Um, and I'm just, I'm happy for content. I'm happy. Like Kenobi's coming out in May. Like, are you, are you shitting me? Like how cool this is going to be, and then there's going to be all these spinoffs with uh, Endor and Ahsoka Tano, and I'm like, gimme, 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 gimme. You know, mm-hmm. and compared to the crap, like I grew up. One of my favorite movies of all time is 1980 Flash Gordon. Watch that if you haven't, and then tell me the stuff today sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bring neighbors over. Like I got a millennial neighbor. I think he's like 28. Great dude. Um, we drink once in a while together at the corner bar, but I'm like, you got to see this scene before we go out. And I brought him in to see the Hawkman battle scene. And he looks at me, he's like, dude, you are an idiot. You are an absolute one of the, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I'm like, blasphemy. I hate your guts. You know, flying blind on a rocket cycle. I mean, how thank, can you go wrong? <laughs> thank you. Who wants to live forever? Yeah, Who wants to live started forever? on Hawkman lines. <laughs> But impetuous boy all right i'm done i'm done i'm done all right i know uh i know we can find you online uh lawrence systems tom lawrence uh youtube all the things um i will put all, all your stuff in the show notes um always a pleasure talking to you it seems like every time i do talk to you we talk about something new something different something fun and uh appreciate uh the time and appreciate our friendship so uh, on that note, on that note, I'm going to wrap things up. Episode 426 on behalf of Bob and Randy. Do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.